So Paul says this in Romans 12, 1 through 2. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, we're going to read this again, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your expression or act of our obedience to faith, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, it's the least we can do, reasonable service. So it is not unreasonable for God to ask of you or to me of me to make a commitment, to make a sacrifice after what he did for us. So that is not unreasonable when you consider how he loves you every day. How he keeps his hand upon you every day. The least we can do is love him and live for him. The least we can do is to lay our desires, our passions, our goals in life on an altar somewhere and say, God, that this belongs to you. That's the least we can do. That's what the Bible tells us. It's the least we can do. Our body's a living sacrifice. Verse two, it says, and do not be conformed to this world. Why? Because then faith starts to function when you're not conformed to the things of the world. It says, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? I want the will of God for my life. I don't know about you. I want the will of God for my life. What does that look like? Well, the will of God. There's a will of God for your life to be where you're supposed to be. Nobody believes that. Do you not believe it's the will of God for you to be here in Athens in this church in this hour? I'll tell you right now it is. If you're questioning that, you need to take it to prayer because it is the will of God. I can stand here tonight and tell you 100% in my mind, I can tell you with confidence that it is the will of God for me to be in Athens. I do not wake up. There is never a morning that I wake up and say, oh God, I wonder, I wonder if I missed the mark. I wonder if I should be somewhere else. Nope. Nope, because I know I heard the voice of God. I know that the man of God in my life, my pastor, confirmed the word of God. Those leaders in my life, they confirmed that's where you're supposed to be. It's what you're supposed to do. I, one of the only, only moments I had with Brother Pasley, he was our district superintendent when I was voted in as pastor here. And he, he died shortly after, just months after. And I had one, one encounter with him in the Lancaster church. And I was walking through the sanctuary, and it was just me and him. We had a, there was a banquet going on, and, and I was heading towards the back, and he was coming back to the prayer room. And if you knew Brother Pasley, if anybody in this room you know Brother Pasley, he was a cut-up. He loved to have fun. He was always kind of a jokester, right? I see some of your heads nodding. He, he was a jokester, and, but just a powerful man of God. And, and uh, as I was walking by, I just kind of smiled to Brother Pasley, and he said, hey, young man. I turned around and I said, yes, sir. And he grabbed me by the lapels of my coat and he pulled me in close. I didn't know if there was a joke coming or if I was in trouble, if I did something wrong. And when he pulled me in close, he said, don't you ever question if it is the will of God for you to be in that city. He said, it is the will of God. He has called you there. He has placed you there. He said, and you are the man of God that is going to bring forth what he has for that city. Do you hear me? He said, yes, sir. He said, 
You will be successful and that church will be successful. He let go and walked off. It's moments like that that built my faith to let me know that it is the will of God 110% for me to be here and I don't question it. You need to have faith that God has, and I'll tell you what changes. Here's what changes. When you know that you're in the will of God and you're where you're supposed to be, you will serve that place like nobody else. You will. You won't hesitate to serve. You won't hesitate to give. You won't hesitate of, of, of time and talent and treasure. You won't hesitate any of that. Why? Because you know, without a shadow of a doubt, this is where God wants me to be. That's walking in faith. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. So we're, we're, we're talking about the internal transformation that takes place when you have faith in God and talking about the external evidence that is there. When something changes on the inside, you're going to see a change on the outside as well. All right? You talk about holiness. A lot of times, if, you, if somebody mentions holiness, people tip automatically go, especially apostolic church, they go to the outward appearance quickly. Now, I believe, don't get me wrong, I believe in outward holiness. I believe in modesty. I believe that is pleasing unto God. But you will not see that change come until there is an internal change in your life. Right? This has to change before anything on the outside changes. But when this changes, no one has to tell you to change the outside. Because the internal holiness changes the outward holiness. So if you look, let's look at this, an example, in, inflated Let's, let's look at this beach ball. Anybody ever play with the beach ball? You blow it up. You about pass out trying to blow the thing up. I love it when my kids, it's like one after another. Will you blow this up? Will you blow this up? Or they have the air mattress. Will you blow this up? And by the time I'm done, I just want to lay on it and just go to sleep because I'm worn out trying to blow this thing up. And then after you get it blown up, then they let you know, oh, we had a pump. Oh, hallelujah. But you have this, this, you have this ball that you blow up. There's an internal pressure. And that internal pressure inside that ball must be greater than the external pressure. The only way that you can resist conforming the external pressure, the only way that you can resist conforming to the things of this world and the pressure that it puts on you as a Christian, the only way you can do that is for the internal pressure to be greater than the external pressure. You understand that? Have you ever had a balloon laying on the floor and you walked up and you stomped it? The external pressure was so much that it popped the balloon, right? It was greater than the air that was inside of it. It couldn't take the pressure, so it exploded. That's what takes, this is why you have to be full of faith. Uh, just, a little, just a little drop of faith is not, it's not gonna work. Brother Ben, you've been dealing with some stuff with your health. I'll tell you right now, that's good, right? I can't even reach you. 
I can't reach you. But you know what happens? You say, well, hold on, hold on. Don't we just need a little bit of faith? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. What, what is a little bit of faith? Are we talking about a little bit of faith in your terms or God's terms? Do you truly believe in him when we pray for a miracle? Do we truly believe that God can do it? Are we, are we partially believing? We partially have faith, but we're kind of leaning on maybe he might not. I believe, Lord. I, I know you can. I know you can do it. You ever prayed that prayer? God, I know you can. I know you can do it. It's a shift in your prayer and the meaning of the prayer when you say, God, I know you will do it. There's difference. It's activating that faith. It's, so we have to have that faith inside of us, that, that faith in God, that internal faith has to be to a place where the world's pressure is not going to overwhelm us where we lose everything inside. There, there was a lot of Christians in 2020 that the external pressure pushed out every ounce of faith they had. There was. There were churches that closed. There is a church that I talked to the pastor last year, just south of us. And it was a church that had almost 200 members in it. Not of the apostolic faith. But I talked to him because he was selling their building. I said, why are you all selling your building? He said, well, because, he said, everyone got so scared. He said, even when things started dying down, he said, we tried to open back up. He said, we had... We, our first Sunday, we said we had one member show up. One. He said, we thought, well, maybe it will change next week. And he said, we went for over two months with one member. Everybody else told us, uh-uh, I'm too scared to come back. Fear, the pressure of the fear of the fear of the media, the fear that the, 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 the message they were driving, they were pushing it so hard that some people just couldn't take the pressure and it was like their faith just started slowly leaking out till they couldn't take it anymore and just they gave in to the fear. So we have to make sure that our internal, internal faith outweighs the pressure of the external world around us. Amen. You say, well, what's the internal faith? What's the internal stuff inside of us that we need to have? So the internal is the word of God and the spirit of God. We have to have faith that his word is true and actually put it in us. And faith that he is truly God and there is nobody like him. That we have his spirit activated and living inside of us and when that happens and we truly have faith that his spirit lives inside of us I've received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues I've been baptized in his name so I have faith that when I open my mouth and I speak to something when I speak against something in, that, that might try to enter into our family or into this church and I speak to that spirit I understand that when I speak it, it's not just me speaking, but it is a spirit that is activated inside of me that gives me power to speak to those things around me. When those external pressures try to come in and, and tear a family apart or tear a marriage apart or, or, or try to come in and wreak havoc in a church that, that you can speak to those things and say, no, external pressures, you have no place here. You need to go. 
You have that when you are filled up with the internal things of God. All right, so let's look at the role of faith. Let's talk about the role and the purpose of faith. Faith is our area of responsibility in this process of transformation and demonstration. So we have all been given a measure of faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got a measure of faith. So this ability to believe, to express trust or confidence in something or somebody. Now, I would, I, I would maybe give you an example, maybe do a trust fall and let Brother Ben catch you, but I'm not going to do that to you. I trust you, but I also know how much I weigh, and I don't want to hurt you. So we all, have, we all have that ability to trust people, right? Maybe have a little more trust in some than others, I don't know. But we all have this ability inside of us to have a, we have a measure of faith. What's that measure? I don't know. It might be different for everybody. But just because someone believes something, you see, people believe in all kinds of things. People have faith in all kinds. A lot of people have faith in science. A lot of people have faith. A lot of people are sitting at home tonight. I don't know if I should say this or not. Might be some of you that listen to it. There's a lot of people sitting at home tonight putting their faith in what CNN is saying. There is a lot of people sitting at home tonight listening to what the news has to say and they're putting more faith in that than they are in what the word of God says. But just because you believe something does not make it right. Right? Just because you said, well, well, they, well, they said, well, they said, well, they said. Well, I heard this. Well, I heard that. That well, they well, CNN said this. Well, Fox said that. Well, well, CBS said this. Well, NBC said that. Well, which one's right? Probably none of them. So people believe some crazy things. Now, I hope there's nobody in here that believes this, but you know there are people out there. You know there's a website you can go to called the Flat Earth Society? Those are special people. Flat Earth. They are dedicating their lives to prove that it's flat. That's what, they're, that's what they, they... I'm not going to move. I believe it. They haven't proved it, but they're going to stand on that. Just because you believe it doesn't mean it's right. Just because someone believes that something doesn't or isn't real doesn't mean that it's not. Just because somebody says, well, God's not real doesn't make God just, he's gone now. No. Just because majority votes for something doesn't make it right. Because belief itself is not a virtue. It is possible to believe something that is not true. I can say tonight, I believe the sky is green and the grass is blue. It doesn't make it right. But instead, it means one of two things. I'm colorblind or I'm delusional. Right? That's what we're going to bring that down to because everyone knows 
what color the sky is. Everyone knows what color the grass is, right? Just because I say it does not mean that it is gospel and it's true. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 11, it is possible to believe a lie. It is possible to believe a lie. Something that is very popular right now in, in our, our society, I'm sure you've heard this, this statement, is my truth, my truth. The world is using this term a lot these days. You see, to understand that the source, that, that this kind of language has been used by those who are trying to justify sinful behavior. Well, it's my truth. Well, my truth says that's not wrong. Well, my truth says this. Well, my truth says, my truth, my truth. That there is only one truth. And the reality is you don't get to define truth for yourself. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said that his word is truth. Your truth, if it contradicts his word, is deceitful. Your truth, whether I don't care how you paint it, I don't care. Your truth, if it does not align with the word of God, is not truth at all. It's not. The world will try to sell it to you however they can. And they are trying more than ever these days to try to sell deceitful thoughts, especially into the younger generation. It is leaking into our schools. It is try, there, there, there is such a strong agenda that is taking place that they're trying, to, they're trying to water down truth, absolute truth, into this next generation that they will be just absolutely confused and become delusional to what truth really is. And that's why you're getting, you're getting people that are asking. I, people are even saying these days, kids are saying, I don't even know what I am. And the world says, well, what do you want to be? Tell me that's not spirit of the Antichrist at work. What, what, what makes you happy? It doesn't matter what makes you happy if it goes against God's word. It doesn't matter that you say what you, you think you are, what you, what, you, what you want to be, what makes you feel good. It doesn't matter because God defines truth. And whatever God says is truth. It does not matter what the teachers say. It doesn't matter what your boss say. It does not matter what the president, the government says. God's word is truth and it will not change. That is truth. Why? Because we, we can't listen to ourselves. We can't listen to our truth or your truth or their truth. Why? Because our heart, our fleshly heart, our heart is deceitful. It's deceitful. It is wicked. And your heart is so powerful that it has the ability to convince your mind what it wants to be right. You ever known somebody that they can lie to themselves so much that they will convince themselves that the lie is truth? <laughs> you ever had a conversation with somebody and they're like, no, no, I didn't do that. And they will talk themselves out of truth. They will convince themselves, no, I, I'm not even here right now. I had nothing to do with that. What are you talking about? It, 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 it births a delusion in the mind. A lie will begin to try to dismantle truth. 
We have to have truth in our life. You can believe a lie. Every man is right in his own eyes these days. That's the world we live in. That, that's, that's the agenda. That's, that's the push right now. Every man is right in his own eyes. And that's why I say this tonight humbly. That's why we all need a pastor. We all need a pastor. I have a pastor. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. Why do I want you to know that? Because I want you to know that I'm not just sharing what I think is true. I want you to know that I'm submitted to a man of God in my life. Every pastor needs a pastor. I submit to my pastor. I submit to the voice of Bishop Stark as a leader of this district. Everybody needs a pastor. We need someone to declare, thus saith the word of the Lord in our life. And to declare things that you, you might receive something a word that I might speak something to you that say, oh, pastor, that's exactly what I needed to hear. That, that's a great report. Thank you for sharing that. And I might come to you and share something and I might give you a warning from the Lord that you might not want to hear. And I've done that. And that's part of being a pastor. That, that's, that's part of, 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 of sharing something. And that's why I've told my pastor when we moved down here, I said, please don't ever hold back truth from me. I need truth spoken into my life, even if it's hard to hear. Sometimes the hard truth is the best truth because it'll stop you from going down a road that you're going down. But thank God we have people that care and love, love us enough to say, if you don't stop, it's not gonna end well. I'm thankful to have a pastor. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, the word of God is quick and powerful. It is able to discern in the very thoughts and intents of the heart. Understand that I'm not just your pastor just because you attend our church. I'm your pastor when there is submission to spiritual authority. I could call my pastor pastor all day long, right? I could say, oh, you're my pastor. But when he speaks hard truth in my life, you're like, yeah, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Call me next week with some good things, and I'll listen to you then, Pastor. Oh, Bishop Stark, don't, don't call me and speak stuff that I don't want to hear. I, I called Bishop Stark during COVID. If you were here, you remember we were having VBS, and, and somebody got a little offended in the community. We were having VBS, and, and they, it was 10,000 10, shares of this negative post against our church. 10,000 shares within hours. Woo! I was like, as if COVID's not hard enough as it is. Here we go. And I called Bishop. I said, Bishop, I need a word. He said, what are you doing next year with the church? I'm sorry, Bishop. I'm not sure if you heard me. <laughs> but here's what we're dealing with right now. Like this just happened. What should I do? He said, what's your plans for the church next year? Uh, well, I started to share a little bit. Well, here's some of our plans next year. He said, because if you live in the here and now, 
you will die in the here and now. Now, is that what I wanted to hear? Is that what I was planning on hearing when I called? I thought he was going to give me this great solution of someone who has passed it for so long, great wisdom. And then I realized when I hung up, he did give me great wisdom. He said, don't focus on this. This is going to pass. But you will die right here if you focus on this. I have to have and you have to have, we all have to have somebody that we look to that can speak those hard truths into our life. Submission begins where agreement ends. Say that one more time. If you're taking notes, you can write that one down. Submission ends, begins, I'm sorry, submission begins where agreement ends. All right? I did not agree right there in, that be in the beginning with what Bishop was sharing with me, but I submitted to what he had to say. Okay. That was true submission. That's what I needed. That's what I needed to hear. So I ask you tonight, who has veto power in your life? Anybody? As your pastor, do I have veto power in your life? Do I have the ability to come to you and say, listen, that is not right for you. God is not pleased with that. Or God spoke to me and told me to tell you this. Is a submission there that you could say, okay, you say no, I might not even fully understand, but okay, all right. We all have to have veto power. Someone that has veto power in our life, if not, you're a loose cannon. It's going to be a mess. We have to have that. It's a dangerous place to have the mindset of, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, especially a preacher. I watched years ago, I watched a couple that was going through a major mess. They were heading towards divorce. And, and I, I said to them, I said, you guys, you, you need to go get, I was not here, I was not pastoring, I was youth pastoring. And I said, you need to go let the pastor speak to this. And the person looked at me and he said, no, I don't want to hear what he has to say. I don't want anybody in the middle of this. This is our problem. Didn't want God in the middle of it. And I watched the separation to continue and they completely went their separate ways. How sad that they wouldn't even let a man of God, I say a man of God, speak to them because he wasn't the man of God in their life, obviously, to speak to that situation and what could have been saved. We have to have that. I promise I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody do anything, but I do have a few suggestions that will help you and your family make it to heaven. All right? I'm not a dictator, and I will not be. That's not what God called me to be. God called me to be a pastor and a shepherd. As a shepherd, there's sometimes when I see when I see someone who is heading off this direction and not in the flock anymore and you're out here by yourself, it is my job to go over and say, listen, you're in a dangerous place. You need to come back. That's what a pastor does. And why does he do that? Why, why would a pastor go out and say, hey, listen, you need to come back? Because a shepherd loves the sheep enough to do it. 
That's why sometimes God convicts us. He loves us enough to convict us to say, you've got to stop doing that because it's going to lead to destruction in your life. We need, we need truth spoken into our life. Amen? Amen. Faith is not powerful because of the person or the personality who possesses it or the ability of the one who expresses it. The most important element of faith is where the faith is placed, not where it comes from or who it comes from. Faith is powerful only when it is placed in something powerful. So our faith is not in tradition. We don't put our faith in tradition. Our faith is in not in human philosophy or religious creeds or denominations. It's not the opinions of our culture. Our faith is not put in that. It's not in our own intellect. It is not in our own financial resources. It is not in our, our own physical strength. And I know some of you in here, you're, you're strong, but your faith can't be put in that. Our faith is powerful because it is in who? Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes it strong. He is the one that is strong, who has all power. Our faith is in what? His name. Why? Why do we have faith in his name? Because we know who he is. So why, I, I, I asked somebody, I, I was talking to somebody a while back, and they said, well, I don't be baptized in Jesus' name. I don't need to do that. And I said, well, okay. So when you pray for healing, what do you pray that prayer? You pray it in Jesus' name? Well, yes. Okay. I said, what about, when, what about when you're praying over your food? When you're eating that greasy McDonald's burger that you have no idea who that cook was that cooked it, and you have no idea if they washed their hands, you have no idea what might be on this, you have no idea what chemicals might be in it, and you pray over this, and we ask God, bless this to the nourishment of my body. Whew. In Jesus' name, right? Because we're having faith that if there is something in this that might hurt me, I'm having faith you're going to take care of me. I said, then why would you not put the same faith in the same name when you're asking for all your sins to be washed away? Right? That's why we baptize in the name of Jesus because it's only his name that has the power and the authority to wash those sins away. So there are two forms of, of this word, believe. I'm gonna look here at believe. Paul and to Timothy says all scriptures is given and his word is truth, his word is right. So to believe is a weak expression of possibility. It is to have an opinion or to think or to imagine, to, to suspect or suppose, to assume or presume. It is to guess. And I believe we've met before is something you would say. I believe that's the answer. I believe that God can heal me. Maybe. I, I, I believe that the Bible is true. Maybe sometimes, right? People say that. I believe. That is not the kind of faith God is looking for. That I believe, maybe, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Scripture even says, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. <laughs> I, I believe that you are God, 
But my belief that you will be God in my situation sometimes doesn't match my belief in who you are. So there is another form of this word is to believe, a declaration of fact, a statement of conviction or certainty, to regard something that is absolute truth, to be convinced or assured, to have confidence in, to know that you just know that you know that you know. This is the kind of faith that Paul defined in Hebrews 11 and 1, where he says, listen, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He believed that it was real. Even though I don't see it, I believe. That's why when you got the report, Brother Ben, what did you, you texted me and told me, you said, I refuse to stop believing. In what? A God that's proven himself over and over again. It's easy. It's easier to have that faith in God when you've seen him work in your life. The evidence is there. I heard one preacher say, you've come too late to tell me that it's not real. You have come too late to tell me God's not real. Why? Because I've experienced him. I have been, I've been here and I, I've been in situations. I've had him heal my body. I've had him work miracles in my life. I've, I've had those moments. I've shared the testimony with you. I had a moment where I didn't know how I was going to make even a car payment. I was a teenager. didn't know how I was going to make the car payment. The, it, it, the money just wasn't there. And I, I, just, I prayed on the way to the bank on my lunch. And I said, God, I need your help, God. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I got to the bank, and I walked to the banker, and I said, what's in my account? Knowing, I knew what was in there. And the lady said, she kind of looked at me funny. She said, well, you just made a deposit a few minutes ago. Hmm? I wasn't about to say anything. But I thought, mm-mm, no, I didn't. I said, oh, thank you. How much was that? She's probably thinking, my Lord, what is wrong with you? Young man, you're too young to be forgetting. It was the exact amount, amount of my car payment. Someone made a deposit. I cried out in faith that God, you can do this. It's the same situation for the Matt. I talked about it Sunday. You just said, God help. Why did you cry out to him? Because you had faith that he had the ability to do it. Now, maybe your faith wasn't as large as it was before he did it, right? If that's an honest statement, I think we could say that. But now, the next time, when you need help, you, you cry out, God, I need your help. Jesus, help me. There's an expectation inside of you now because he's done it once. He's going to do it again. We have to have faith, and our faith tells us, I'm closing right now. Our faith tells us that we, we have faith in him for salvation. You have to have faith in him. This is a walk, a journey we're taking of faith for salvation. But we also have faith for the demonstration of God in our life. You don't see salvation, right? Right? Our evidence comes that he, thankfully he gives us evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's why I tell people, you receive the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in tongues, the evidence is for nobody else in this room but you. You have evidence, right? 
You have evidence because it's real. You know it's real. That's the evidence you get. But you don't get to see anything. But God begins to move and demonstrate himself in your life through miracles, signs, and wonders, things you can't explain that builds your faith to say, I know he's real. I know he's real. So my faith is in operation. Why? When I wake up tomorrow morning, I know that God's going to be in control. Why? Because he's been in control for years of my life, and he has proven himself over and over and over and over again. I can put my faith in that. I'm not putting my faith in a broken down system of the world that has let you down over and over and over again. But when it comes to salvation, I'm putting my faith in God. When it comes to my life, I'm putting my faith in God. When it comes to my my ministry and my family, this church, we're putting our faith in God who has proven himself to us and proven to me that he is faithful. Even when we're not, he is faithful. I put my faith in him. Let's stand tonight over this place. I want you to lift your hands. Just begin to thank God for the faithfulness that he has in your life and ask him to build faith in you. God, I ask you to build faith tonight, Jesus. Build faith in my life, oh God, in you. God, let me, God, let me be faithful, God, unto you. God, let me have faith, God, in you. God, to know, God, that you are well able, God, uh, to do, God, exceedingly abundantly above all we would ask or thank, Lord. Uh, God, that we, we understand, God, uh, God, that you are, God, who you say you are, Lord. Uh, you are who your word says you are, Lord, and we trust you tonight, God. Uh, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my family, God. Uh, God, I trust you, Lord. Uh, God, with my home. I trust you, Lord, with this church. Uh, I trust you with my ministry, God. Uh, God, I trust you with my finances, Lord. Uh, I trust you with the talent and the ability you've given, Lord. Uh, I trust you with everything, God, that you are, Lord. Uh, I trust you, Jesus. Uh, I trust you tonight, God. Uh, and I have faith in you tonight, God, uh, knowing God, that you will do a mighty work, Lord. Uh, God, that you will be faithful unto me. And I thank you for tonight, God. And I have faith that when the trumpet sounds, uh, God, that I will, God, uh, I will, God, be called up to meet you in the air, Lord. Uh, and I'm thankful for that tonight. And I have faith in you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Are you thankful for faith? Are you thankful for God? Amen. Thankful for salvation? Amen. There's nobody like him. Nobody like him. Amen. Won't you find somebody around you, shake hands tonight before you leave, greet somebody. I love you.